Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So, 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 so. Okay, you're back listening to Ronnie Scott's Presents the Thread with Hennessy. That was Chrysalis, the bonus track of Snarky Puppy's latest album, Immigrants. And we are here with two of the founding members and they are Ghost Note, friends of ours. Please welcome Spot and Nate. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thanks for coming on today, guys. Multiple Grammy winning. Oh, that's it. Shit, how did I Come forget? On. How did you forget that? <laughs> Double, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to be here. Uh, this is real special for me. I mean, I don't really know how to start this off. I, I, I found out about you guys in 2010 when, on, when you first came with Snarky Puppy. You were doing a bunch of master classes, and I was at that first gig at Cargo. Yeah. Wow. Right? And then I was at the pub gig. Oh, yeah, we, I remember that. We were just talking about that. Wow. What was that school? What was the name of that school? ICMP. ICMP and the guy, his name starts Attar. with A. Attar. Attar. Yeah. We were trying to remember. What up, yeah. Attar, if you're listening? I'll send, him, I'll send him the link. I'll send him the link and say, yeah. He changed my life, man. He he taught me this. He showed me this. Um, um, was it David Sanchez? David Sanchez? David Sanchez, David Sanchez. yeah. yeah. Saints he is. I, I don't oh, know. Oh no, Saint, yeah, yeah. Saints he oh, is. He used to play yeah. keyboards for uh, like Bruce Springsteen and all these other okay, people. Yeah. And uh, he showed me this record that um, that um, David Saints and it changed uh, actually yeah. like a few members of the band. Well, yeah. while we're talking yeah. about him, he bigged you guys up so hard before. <laughs> he was like, "You guys have no idea what's coming." And I think because he knew Bill or so I forget what the connection yeah. is, or yeah. maybe he knew Michael. I don't know. Whatever. He knew but Bill. He was just like. On you guys, big time. I was like, I don't know who you're talking about, whatever. He's like, come to this master class. You're gonna, it's gonna be, and yeah. And it was off to the races. He was really proud to be the the first one to bring <laughs> guys over. Anyway, uh, the so you've been ever since you've been here every year. You're touring loads. Do should we start by talking about your the band that you started, like Ghost Note? What's happening now? This door, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're super proud of it. Mm. Uh, about. Four years ago, Sput and I were on a plane flight on a Snarky Puppy tour, and I was sort of reaching out to him, uh, viewing, I've always viewed Sput as a mentor of mine, and I was kind of talking to him like, you know, how do I advance my career? I want, I'd love to try to make a record. Uh, I don't know what to do. And Sput looked at me and he was like, well, why don't me and you make a record together yeah. and, mm. and kind of capture and showcase our connection and rhythm? And I was like, "Yeah, let's do that." Because we had been doing, we had been taking solos in this, with Snarky on, on the road, and um, they they were the solos were getting pretty epic. They were like, they, they started getting like nineteen seventies like, kind of. It was it starting to sound like you know they were like like Steve Gadd and Ralph McDonald. Right. You know, we were getting weird looks from the band members after the gig, kind of like you guys are like they were compositions or something yeah, like, 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 like we planned all this stuff yeah. so but it was just the camaraderie of uh, and the chemistry of playing together that long you know um for 10 to 10 and 11 years you know playing together yeah. doing everything together i probably played more gigs with him than i with anybody with people <laughs> i grew up with well on, on that you know, topic i feel like you're 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 one of the musicians where i like I'll just find out. Oh, he's on that too. Oh, he did. Oh, he wrote that. Like, it just you kind of just keep popping up. Like just it's now so when, when we were off air, I was talking about my favorite tune. You're like, oh yeah, I produced that. That every day is the weekend. So like, how how do you meet? Shout out Lesson GK. You know, the, yeah, we. You know, I was with those guys last week. Uh, so what? Um, how do you meet? How do you come into the picture? How did you meet Nate and Michael? And how did this whole snarky thing start for you? 
I don't know, man. I th- I think my career just has put me in the right places. You know, I'm from Dallas, Texas, and um, people come to Dallas and I connect with them, mm. and those friendships never end. Yep. Um, literally, that's what happens. Like all my friends um, that I know from, I, I commute back and forth. I've lived in L.A. since 2000, um, back and forth, uh, commuting, commuting, commuting from there to Dallas for like 20 years now. Like literally every year, doing the same thing, and all of the friends that I have in LA is based off of a relationship I have with this guy named Terrace Martin. Right. And, uh, we just had Derek uh, Hodge uh, the yeah. other week, and he was really talking about Terrace a lot. Yeah. So t- yeah. Terrace is like my his mom's my godmother. She wow. practically oh, raised wow. me. His dad's my godfather, and mm-hmm. uh, he taught me. He's a drummer. His name's Curly Martin. Yeah. He taught me so much stuff and uh so i kind of took terrace under my wing when he was a teenager and used to fly on to dallas uh and and his experience in dallas is what sparked kind of the scene in la because he took it back to la created this whole sound and from the influence in dallas and then um, he became the king of uh, the West Coast. Now he's winning Grammys and playing with Herbie, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just an extension of yeah, what that's he, just he like had been doing. This is the part of his life that I've always wanted the world to see. Yeah. Uh, his playing, his musicianship. Yeah. But uh, he's been known as a hip-hop producer or R&B producer forever. So, so kind of, I say all of that to say is like between Dallas and L.A., if you know, if you know all the cats in L.A. to know, uh, and you know all the cats in in the southern region to n- Dallas. Between that, you know Robert Glasper. We all friends. Yeah. So I'm you, I'm one degree away from anybody, right. and wow. it just so happened that we all grew up together and we're all friends now. So mm-hmm. me being a part of Kamasi, Kendrick Lamar, yeah. all of these things happens because of uh, your friendships and, and mm-hmm. who you where you placed. I'll see I'll see Williams. Do you know him? I'll see oh, Williams. Oh, yeah, that's, see that's like his brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See the thing that that's funny you say that because I was just going to say you know Sput. One thing about him though too is that whenever he's home and off the road, he's actively a part of the musical community and yeah. in, in wherever he is, whether it's yeah. Dallas or LA, he's playing and he's playing with the young cats. He's playing with older cats. He's playing with anyone and especially you know always being open-minded and giving people chances to play and so that fast forward to talk about how i met sput and you know i'm a kid in college Mm. and we hear about this killing jam session at this place called the walrus at the time and uh that's in dallas Dallas. and so i was living uh, maybe 30 minutes north of dallas in this little town called denton texas and that's where university of north texas is and so me and uh, Mike League and uh, Justin Stanton and all these snarky puppy guys and some other guys, we start caravanning down. Like I was, I had my mom's old minivan, and so I could fit like six guys in the van with me. And we go down to the Walrus, and it was RC Williams and Sput and Sean Martin and Braylon Lacey and all these guys were hosting this jam session. And so at first, all of us, you know, we're like it was 18, one by one blazing the jam session, one by one. We were mm. like, who the hell are these cats? You but know, we sat there for from? for months at first yeah, they just wouldn't listening. get up at one, all at the same time it was like one i and think I, miles was the first yeah and i remember uh rc came up to me and he was like hey man i see you here every week why don't you play and or what do you play and i was like well i'm a percussionist and you guys don't have any percussion and he was like 
well, you have percussion? And I was like, yeah. yeah and he's like, dope. well, bring it. Bring it. And <laughs> yeah, it blew my dope. mind at the time because yeah. these guys are legends to us, uh, you know, and already mm. very well done in their professional career. And so the fact that they had that door completely wide open for us to come and join them, and then that's history. You well, know, like, for, for, for perspective, we, we were playing at the time, we were playing for Eric Badu. And uh, the band for Erica Badu, you know, it's like she wasn't really she she was having kids, and so she wasn't really like going out as much. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and so when we get off the road, we you know we were, we would be so bored, and we grew up having jam sessions at each other's houses and stuff. My mom's house yeah. used to be the host for like a weekly jam, you know, whenever. Yeah. So that's kind of what kept us out of trouble as youth. But uh, when we got older, we kind of missed those things, but we couldn't have them in the houses anymore because mm. they were getting too big. So we decided to start, me, me, RC, and Braylon, this bass player, we was like, man, let's just play. Let's just play around town. So we hooked up with these clubs and would get them to contract us to uh, to host a jam every week. And that's what was happening. All the kids were coming down from the colleges and um, and, and the community. Everybody was coming together, and we were kind of just – Making music together, mm. and, that's and that kind of morphed into the first version of the Grits, right? Well, well that was Grits. That was the that Grits. Was yeah, grits. yeah. yeah. We we've had the Grits a few times. They've that torn was, the roof off the place. So originally, the Grits was me. It was a trio. It was yeah. me, RC, and Braylon. Yeah, and uh, it's Cleon on drums now, right? Yeah. So yeah. Cleon came. He's like a nephew of mine. Um, I kind of, you know, he's probably known me since he was fourteen. Yeah, and he's always called me uncle. <laughs> and um, so we've always had this uncle nephew kind of relationship, and um, and I, I, before I even knew he could play drums, so it kind of like I just started mentoring him, and and so whatever I couldn't do, I would call him to play, and um, when I kind of moved on uh, from the Erica uh, scene, um, I, I told RC to hook him up, yeah. And uh, the rest is history. You know? <laughs> he just started playing all the gigs I was playing. And, I mean, he made them his own. So It's really now. cool because right? he, he carries it. I mean, it's something you guys do as well. I mean, last time Ghost Note played at Ronnie's, um, not not this time, but it was November or whatever, you guys were there checking out the support band, you know, and, and I think it's, it's really good to see headliners doing that on tour. And I was in Paris, my wife's from they Paris. They were bad motherfuckers, by the yeah, way. Killing. Yeah, killing. Yeah. Um, Vital, yeah. Yeah. And, and You can curse, that's all right. All right. You say, say whatever you, you want. You can go worse, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, R, I mean, RC, would, I saw him in Paris uh, a few weeks back, and, you know, it was the same thing as Derek the other week. He just said, okay, he said, Paris, what do you got, man? Uh, write your name down. I'm going to take a few minutes off. We'll start calling people up. And this is at a gig that holds a few hundred people and the place is packed. I mean, that's that takes a lot of faith and it also takes, like, in what's going to happen. It could go wrong and that it's your show, it's your stage. But it's also, I just think it's a tradition that is, is beautiful, just well, getting I everybody mean, involved, you know? Yeah, you never know until you, you know. And, and man, you know, like, if you're a real true artist, you can take a mistake and make, make the that's best it. out of a mistake. So if that's anybody... It. Even if, you know, there are different levels of musicians, it can never be a wrong idea. It's just, you know, guys, you help guys where they are. You know, you meet them in the middle, and and you still try to give them an experience that you would give anybody. So, Mm. Now, Ghost Note, thanks for stopping in. Uh, You're doing two nights at Ronnie's last night uh, and tonight. Uh, How's that experience for you? Because this is a groove-based band seated audience how are you, how are you dealing with that or are you used to it do you play, do you play <laughs> yeah. lots of seated uh, places we, we, or? we do it all man we yeah and, and 
and actually we're frustrated jazz musicians <laughs> <laughs> well first of all playing Ronnie's is amazing it's a legendary place just looking at the photos on that wall just gives me chills you know like to be in that same building on that same stage yeah. what an honor uh, and with that being said to play our music in all different types of situations like four days ago we were in Sofia Bulgaria headlining for 15,000 people wow. wow on like an outdoor park stage with just a sea of hands and arms yeah. and people Go bobbing up and down yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know playing all the volumes yeah. you know yeah. super quiet as loud as we possibly can play and then you know three days later coming to ronnie scott's and and having to control our volume so we don't hurt people and <laughs> and it, i like it it's it's a challenge it's a different challenge right the music changes the groove wow. becomes more intricate and it's really interesting to see the players in the band uh, change their approach and the intensity and the funk is still there, but we become, oh, we listen more because sometimes when that. you're at those high volumes and you're it's, on a giant stage, yeah. you don't hear all those yeah. little inner, like well, the it's, ghost it's notes. more intimate. Uh, you yeah. Know, you, you're closer. Uh, you can kind of hear. You don't have to. You don't have to project yeah. this much on your instrument, yeah. and uh, you can kind of really just relax. But it also is something to play to an audience that's sitting down. That different. It's different kind. Of, it's a different kind of energy. It's not bad or slow energy or low energy, uh, so to speak. But yeah. it's um, when when people are standing up and they're the anticipation is is very visit. Uh, yes, vivid, vivid, yeah. Uh, you you can like before you walk on stage, they're like, yeah, they're ready to go, <laughs> you know. And when you get on stage, you feel all of that. You see it visually. Mm. Does it but, make you relax more as a musician when people are dancing? No, it it is. I don't know. It don't make us relax at all. It makes it takes us to the whole uh, whole another yeah. level. Yeah. I yeah. think it but, pulls us up. Yeah, but here, like when you play in front of people, like you uh, you have a more ramped up approach. Like you kind of mellow, you start mellow, and you kind of like just kind of mm. feel feel your way through it, and then all of a sudden you're there. So it's it's a, it's still a cool journey. It's just different. It's just different. You know? I hear people are getting up and and making a move, uh, shaking a move on the late set. Oh yeah, we always ask them to get up. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always, I mean, you know, whenever somebody tell me, uh, you know, they don't really do that here. <laughs> then I'm like I'm always, I'm always challenged you know <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm always trying to take the challenge mm -hmm. and, and you know see if we can get them going because Definitely. Definitely. we having fun yeah, like no matter what we're, we are having fun our goal is to have fun make music but this is fun for us this is not we're not serious about you know a chord structure or anything like that we're professionals but we're not serious about whether a chord uh, change uh, is played differently from night to night, you know. Cool. Uh, let's play some music. Yeah, I was gonna say um, let's play some music. You said, I mean, I put a couple of tracks in that I know you like. I got "Lady Cab Driver" by Prince. I got "Frisky" by Sly and the Family Stone. You got some shuggy between those two, since we you just dropped the word "funk" a couple times. So I, was, <laughs> I thought one of those would be appropriate. Well, I'm, I'm a big Prince fan. And there's something very unique about this song that we chose, the Lady Cab Driver song, that uh, uh, that you never would notice until someone says it. Ah. Are you going to say it or you play it first? You should play it first. All right. Let's see if you can guess.
was Prince. What was the thing, Spot? What was what were you listening out for there? Okay. Was it the traffic noise? No. <laughs> All right. So the beginning the beginning of the song, you hear this drum drum loop, right? This program. Uh it's the it's the Lynn drums. And the most unique thing about this song is it's one of the funkiest songs ever. It's very limited in instruments. It's a bass, guitar, and um two analog keyboards and a snare. Prince decided that he didn't want to play drums on this song, so he went and got grabbed a chair, put a snare in the middle of the studio, put a, a SM SM seventy seven mic on the snare. And he just played snare to the drum track on on to the uh, the drum loop. Sounds like a full drum kit, but he's just playing fills on the snare. The most genius thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, the fills he was playing sounds like a yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. it's like crazy. It's just yeah. him hitting the snare yeah. and playing with his sticks. Basically, that's all it was. Sure there's so many studio stories about this guy. Yeah. So oh, wow. so that I mean that's a very very unique yeah. story about about how how this song came or what the, about this song and you know do you guys write anything um where you approach it in very different ways like where you set limitations on yourself like that is like maybe not a snare in the middle of the room with that microphone but you know what I mean take things away and say the foundation of this can be Nate start with Nate and then just go because I know the last album you just did it was didn't you do it all in the session didn't you write it all in the session most of it yeah we, we wrote like maybe four or five songs away from that session but because um, you're producers as well and yeah we so. I mean we try a lot of stuff we I mean whatever we hear from the 60s and the 70s and uh, that that they tried and and we experimented try to make it our own I think um, as well though uh, we have not had the luxury to not worry about time you know that studio time is so expensive yeah, yeah. and I, th I think if we had that luxury you know if we could just take ghost note and be like all right this month we're living here and we're recording the whole month and it was more relaxed we would definitely get into stuff like that so maybe one day but uh for now it's it really is like we put up like a chalkboard and we have a to-do list and it's like a marathon rush. We're pulling twenty hour days yeah. just trying to get everything done, you know, so that we can we can feel good about the session. But within that, I mean obviously there there are there's a lot of uh producer moves and production moves that Sput will kind of really tone tune into and yeah. tuning of drums and one thing I like to do is I always like to tune my percussion to the track. So it every track sounds unique instead of just the whole record mm -hmm. sounding yeah. like this the same you know conga Frequency. tones and whatnot. Yep. And Sput does the same thing. He's switching out kick drums and snares and cymbals yeah. all the time. And but yeah, because your first al your first album was supposed to be it started off as a drum record, right? And then well, as you was. went on, you, it's, you it's started adding. Kind of <laughs> we wanted it to <laughs> kind of feel like a beat record. Yeah, uh, and um. But you we, added melody and other instruments after a time, right? We featured we yeah. featured on the record itself, yeah. we featured a few friends that came out of the studio. Yeah. 
But we were doing all that stuff in the studio with right. drum, uh, percussion instruments, uh, any kind of percussion instruments we can find with yeah. tones in it, uh, boom whackers, uh, xylophones, xylophones yeah. anything that we could Glock find. Spiels. And then my brother, actually, that record is, is a, a product of two sessions, yeah. and, and they're about a year apart. And on the second one, you know, I have an older brother, Nick Worth, who's an an amazing yes. uh, musician, not so, just drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays this instrument called xylosynth. And it's, right. for people that don't know what that is, it's basically like an MPC, but in xylophone format. And he goes wow. by Galaxy with the E. Whatever it is, you've never seen anything like this. But <laughs> definitely <laughs> check check that out. But w- once I kind of, I always had been telling Spud about my brother. Yeah. But you know, like you don't really know until you see it, until you see it in person. And so we were doing, we were finishing the session in LA and my brother lives in Portland, Oregon. And I was like, I th- really think we should bring Nick down, uh, even if he's just kind of an ear, like a fly on the wall and an ear to kind of help us uh you know with production maybe suggestions or or and it just ended up he was just ended up being another core member of the band and an instrumentalist on the record and once yeah. sput saw what he could do the suggestions that sput had for nick was just unbelievable it's and you know so we rocked that instrumentation for about he, a year and he a half you can't remember the band after that yeah it was it was like we can't do a ghost note tour without nick because really when we started the project it was really just a concept record yeah and we went in the studio and we kind of just cloned ourselves because we were in the studio Mm. but when when people started asking us to go out it was like we were in the studio so we had 20 arms a piece you know but live we can't we don't have that luxury so we needed we needed needed people we needed help so nick was there to kind of fill some of that void and then we would add two more like cleon Actually, and Tehran. Cleon and Tehran were the other two members of the band. They yeah. still give a shit about that. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like... <laughs> yeah. But, but they were the other two guys in the band. It was it was them two and me, him, and Nick. And um, uh, I think it just evolved mm. because music started changing. You know, we started getting more into melodic, having guys come in like sax players. Come mm. in. Yeah, we, we kind of craved yeah. after that first tour. We were like, that was fun. But we need a soloist. Yes. And then Sput was like, and we need some low end. Right. And so right. we added a bass player in Sly Fifth Avenue, Sylvester Onegiaka. Yeah, yeah. So we had melody and bass line. And then I felt like that we could cover the rest. And we did it. It was very unique. But um, uh, coming up to the Swagism record, yeah. um, his brother Nick um, had co founded a band called Yak Attack. And they had started uh, growing legs. And he wanted to put more time into that, and that's understandable. Absolutely, I mean, we did the exact same thing with yeah. Snarky. So um, it was like um, yak attack four, week, sorry, four or yak five attack. weeks before. Yeah, yeah yak yeah. Atta- like like the animal yak. Okay, you know, and he realized because I mean, in any band's young. Uh, part of their career in the early part you're not booking more than a month three months out that's right and so about four weeks before the session he starts seeing oh man next year yak attack is going to be going out a bunch and he because he loves us and and knew how much we were growing and we kind of warned him like there's gonna be a lot of touring next year he hit us up and he was like man like before we do this record like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to commit to this and then so me and sputter like who the hell is going to replace 
Nick, who's the only person in the world yeah. that, that does, does what he does. He does. Yeah. And so we were like, okay. And so we had to dig deep into old compositions that Sput had already written and uh, Sly had some a bunch of stuff in his hard drive and we kind of pulled those exactly, yeah. and revamped and formatted them for Ghost Note. And, but that experience and that adrenaline rush is really captured on yeah. the record. Like, I mean, like that, I mean, like we we had no idea the direction of the record, and um, we got through recording after we got after we were done recording, like what fifteen to twelve or thirteen tracks, uh, maybe fourteen, fifteen tracks. So, yeah, you're right. Oh uh, yeah, it was like after we got through recording all that stuff, <laughs> we looked back and we was like. Me and Sly particularly looked at each other and was like, I, I guess we're a funk band now. <laughs> 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 yeah, everything was really funky and the approach was really funky. I, I, you know, yeah. it had to have something to do with mono. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the man, I mean, we have to get to Mono Neon. We have to show him some love. The man that completes the rhythm section. Mm -hmm. um, what an incredible phenomenon. I'm a massive fan of this gentleman and his Instagram videos so and his mashups of so Cardi B and yeah, Pharrell so and reharmonizing he is tracks. Truly and his own human being. He's yeah. his own person. Yeah. He does not care about what anyone thinks. And it's so refreshing to be around someone that feels that way. You know, it's really inspiring, I know, for me, and definitely, I feel like, for Sput. Yeah. Well, yeah. at the same time, he's still a caring... Uh, he cares, but he yes. doesn't care. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, it's it's one thing to not care, and then it's another thing to not give a fuck. That's very two mm. different things. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's not so, harmful. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't care, but, I mean, like, the thing is, he has a... He has this thing that he wants to do for people, and he wants to inspire them to not care so much that it gets in the way of artistry yeah. and gets in the way of your freedom as mm -hmm. an artist. Mm -hmm. So that... He has that his manifesto, right doesn't he? Yeah, his that's art it. manifesto. Yes. I love that. That's it. And it's probably all the things he fought through. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. But whatever it is, you know, there's, there's nobody like him. So how, how has he like propelled... Do you, how, has he propelled the band forward in a, in a big way, would you say? Yeah, um, I'd say he had a, a lot to do with it. I mean, like, all those... I mean, if you, you get to know all those guys, you, you'll find something similar to say about all of them. Well, Sput's such yeah. a great musical director with the history of uh, all the different types of genres and, and artists that he has directed throughout his career that I think when Mono Neon kind of, if you think of him as like, a, you know, another chess piece that came in and available to us, Sput yeah. really like knew how to use that. Right. And so the connection that they have as, ba as bass and drums together is amazing and then you know for all you listeners that don't know Sput is also an incredible keyboardist and so the ear that he had to I mean and on Swagism most of those keyboards parts are all Sput and because we were because my brother let us know that he couldn't be a part of the band anymore we didn't really have time to find an, a, a member and so once we recorded Swagism was when we we started searching for a keyboard player because we're like all right we're taking this music on the road so you're really hearing you know Sput's ear and his genius on that record and with the addition of Mono Neon it's like all the funk that Sput grew up yeah. listening to. He was like, all right, this is the time. It's coming out. If it's good enough for Prince, right? <laughs> well, we, we kind of keep going back to the funk uh, as an inspiration. And 
as what the record turned into. Should we play a track from uh, There's Right Going On, the Sly and the Family Stone record? Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Yeah. yeah, any particular one? Well, they chose Frisky. Should oh, we get to try and go with Frisky? Time. Yeah. Or Fresh, time. I mean. Have you got Frisky? Oh, fine, Frisky. I got Frisky. Here we go. This is Frisky by Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> We're over here talking about different scenes in different cities and, and stuff like that. We were talking about Gabriel Grossi, the harmonica player from Brazil you all need to listen to. But on that topic, um, the music that you guys play, I, I think, uh, can get pigeonholed in what people call the jam band scene a little bit. Is that right? Do you, have you ever played, you know, like... Is this an offensive term? Is this an offensive thing? Does it, I'd like to know. As because, a, but listen, there's a lot of the bands... The there's room. a lot of bands in the States that that play festivals together that are absolutely killing and can tour the States all year and play to huge audiences that haven't necessarily broke over here yet that yeah, I don't, I don't and necessarily the funk get and why. All those guys, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about maybe like that scene versus... The jazz scene, here's the, the thing, traditional here's the jazz thing. scene. It, yeah. The States is the mute. <laughs> the listeners in the States are just so brainwashed with this pop music formula that has just been pounded into their ears from the radio, like over and over and over and over again. That really in the States, it, here for a band to tour and have people come out and see the music, it's the jam band world. Which is really just like anything that's longer than four minutes or something. It's anything because because yeah, yeah, yeah. like it can be electro, it can be jazz, it can be funk, it can be rock, like mm. experimental. Mm. It, it's weird. It's like really, I want to instead of jam band, it's more like independent musicians because those festivals are crazy. It's like the the spectrum mm. of genres completely ac wide across it. And then you have like the other festivals, which are like mainstream, like Lollapalooza yeah. Yeah. and like these Bonnaroo and these type mm -hmm. of things that are like, it's all like the major label artists and there's yeah. not really any independent artists on those festivals. And so for us, in order to gain exposure, we have to play these jam band festivals. And I'm not saying that we don't like doing it. The, the, the jam band fans are great. There's some good they, music in there as well. And there's some great music in there, but yeah. I think the word jam uh, is right. what you, makes yeah, it. Because we play compositions. Yeah. We just play music. Compositional. Yeah. We're yeah. not just going up yeah. there and just, mm -hmm. you know, noodling around. And so I think that's why the well, term you, yeah, jam band. And also, when you say jam band, that means everybody's in the same category. So you put, you put lettuce in the category with a band that literally plays on one note. Yeah, you know, you put everybody in the same category, and it kind of it kind of seems a little disrespectful sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah but, but I say I I say I say jam band is a better term to be associated with than the smooth jazz. Oh yeah. yes, yeah, but I mean a jazz. You look at the the lineup for a jazz festival, and that if you want to get into like you get everybody arguing about what jazz is when you look at a jazz festival lineup and stuff like this, you know, which and is I, weird. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It is I mean, weird. Arguing about what's jazz is weird. It's like that whole conversation. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it it has no existence except for the letters and the words. Mm. Like, you're not speaking anything that affects the art yeah. mm -hmm. well, when you're the, talking the about The definition that. of jazz. 
like the traditional definition of jazz is the reason why it's stupid to argue about it because it's yep. the free it's free the freedom of expression yes it's the freedom of jazz music is is jazz because it was different than everything and what was different was these guys were free to express ah but and, you're not playing and, the changes correctly yeah. you know what I'm saying like <laughs> yeah, yeah, even no, if it's even if you're not playing changes correctly you're I'm, improvising I'm joking yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying like so the reason why it's weird to me that that's even a discussion because it is it's, it's, it's it, contradictory it's, con- yeah. Yeah, it's contradictory uh, dicting uh Contradicting like the whole idea of what jazz really is yeah. or is supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, um, I loved that quote, the recent Coltrane documentary, and there was a bit where he was he was talking about like they're calling this jazz or whatever, but I'm just I'm doing my thing, and then that that's what they're doing to get it a gig. That's what they're calling it to get it a gig and things like that. And it's yeah, it's just it's really interesting, you know, working in music and having this radio show, and we get into these massive discussions about what things are, are and what they're supposed to be and all that. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, the mu- the, the artist's music is what the artists want it to be, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's what it should be. And if it can be a reflection of now and today, all the better for it. I'm firmly mm. on the Robert Glasper side of things rather yeah, than the Bramford things. As, yeah, great, yeah. As, as much as I love Bramford's music, I find it a little bit reductive sometimes, you know, when he says... That was disappointing. Can't, I think for a yeah. Glasper can't play, or you know. So, Have you heard his trio records? You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's. But well, he also has done so many other styles, and so yeah. he's experimented with so many other uh, uh, genres of music, yeah. and made them records. Yes. That um, it's really you know like he you know he did an interview the other day and he kind of did the whole thing where. They kind of say what the younger generation is playing is not the same, or that kind of thing. With Robert Glasper and, and Kamasi uh, Washington, who are two good friends of mine, hmm. who I feel if, if hadn't done what they did, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. I mean, I feel like you they're know? pushing yeah. jazz forward, yeah. and making it more accessible to everyone as well. And so it's just it it was really disappointing to to read those words from a legend hmm. that everyone looks up to, you know. But um, I mean. People have their bad days, and and maybe now he's looking back on that like, and 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 we have to remember that he is being quoted from, yeah, you know, yes. an, yeah. someone who's yeah. interviewing him. So maybe yeah. they took his words out of very true, I, yeah. And yeah, so we don't really true. know yeah. what exists through our conversation, and, and it's a soundbite. And yeah, yeah. people are drama hungry, yeah, in yeah. this world, you know, we like and a bit so, of drama, don't we? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I had to say it sounds more like something you said, though. You know, yeah. the, him and his brother have always been critical, very critical of the new age. Yes. Music. Uh, um, and it's something that uh, is hard for people like the younger, you know, people like myself who grew up listening to these guys mm-hmm. and idolizing mm-hmm. these guys. It's kind of hard for us to swallow because it's like, it's like you finally grow up and you finally get the opportunity to meet these guys and then you don't want to. Yeah. Because they, they don't. They don't encourage what you're. I mean, they, all the things that you've worked hard to get to yeah. and be, they mm. just shit on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, and that's the thing with me and him. We try to mentor younger, the younger generation, because we don't really want that. We don't really want to give them that. You know, our the, the generation before us, man, they they did us dirty, man. Like, right. And we kept loving them through it. It's like the. Mm-hmm father like the mm. abandoning father you know mm. you still wait for him at the mm. door you know mm. um 
and whether he shows up or not, you still love him the same way, you know, because he's dad. Yeah. And these guys are yeah. like that to us. They're our mentors, and we <laughs> still love them, but they treated us like shit sometimes, you know. And, um, That's why it's good to see what some of the things that Herbie's up to and some of the yeah. things that Herbie's saying. It's reassuring. Yeah. Who, who are some younger people that you're mentoring that have some music out that people can listen to? Um, well, there's, there's this um, group of kids. One, one um, particularly in particular, it's a duo that's out right now. Uh, JD Beck and Domi, who's a keyboard player and a Domi DeGal. Domi DeGal. Yeah, and um, Domi's from France and uh, JD is from Dallas. And uh, they've teamed up and uh, uh, making music together. I, I think she's like, what, 19? 19, and, and he's just turned 16, I think. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, oh it's, it's freakish. Oh, yeah, it's freakish. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you got, you got um, Aaron the bass. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, and then you have there's a guy named Taz who played on our record. Uh, Brandon, yeah, guitar player. Guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Odo from um, Japan, um, and and a few other people. You know Justin Schultz, the keyboard player, and his sister Jamie. Um, and we kind of mentor them. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm continuously, but we always try to feature them whenever we're in the ra- around them. Yeah, have them come up town. and play. But I, outside of that, I'm always I'm calling them, sending them CDs, uh, sending them stuff to listen to, work on, you know, or, or not CDs, I mean, but sending them, you know, stuff mm. to download, uh, information, and people to listen to and study, you know, and stuff like that, just to try to help cultivate their careers and, you know, help keep them on the right track. So, I mean, like, those are the things that we do to try to help, you know, try to do something different than, you know, what our, some of our generation heroes did for us you know mm. just before we get into another piece of music um let's quickly touch on the juggernaut which is snarky puppy the mm-hmm. rotating cast of incredible musicians that have have gone off in different directions what's going on with snarky at the moment were you yeah. guys at love supreme on the weekend the you, festival you know uh, this yeah, year they just, they just, they just saw snarky it. were playing that weren't they yeah so you know ghost notes doing about 150 shows this year which is wow. just crazy wow. to wow. say out loud. Yeah. Uh, and Snarky is doing about the same amount or more. Wow. or more. And so, you know, it's it was really like for Ghost Note, we've been booking ourselves maybe nine months out in advance. And so when Snarky sent over the schedule, I was like, I can't do anything. Can't of do any stuff. of those. Wow. Oh, and so I, I kind of had to make room for some moments. And so I'm really only doing about 30% of those shows this year. And uh, it's such a different experience um, for me now. Uh, the, the music is changing, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, and, and so for me as a percussionist, my approach is completely different than w- what it has been in the past. Uh, I'm, like even the instruments I'm playing uh, and the rhythms I'm playing. And, and Michael is really inspired right now by music from Turkey and Morocco. Right. Uh, and he is like himself, like on a serious reg, like a practice regimen where he is practicing Turkish percussion. Wow. Like I'm talking two to three hours a day. Like he is submersed, like he is submerged. Hmm. He is inspired. He has a teacher. I don't know his name. I forget his name, but it's this amazing percussionist in Istanbul. And so Mike, a lot of times in between tours, flies to Istanbul to study, you know, or or gets recordings sent to him to study. And so because of that, 
you know, it's his band and he's producing the records. And so the music is very much taking that turn. And I think also, you know, from being an original member from day one Mm -hmm. and seeing the journey at some point, you know, we get criticism from fans like, oh, we want you to make a record more like we like it here. Or or, why don't you make another record like Tell Your Friends? And it's like, how do you tell an artist to not be on a natural path? And and when you look at Mike's life and like what he's doing and you listen to Immigrants, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes down to just like it's it's more of a greater society thing where I think everybody thinks that they got to have a say in everything it's like the yelp review thing it's like i don't go check out the restaurant review when i'm first entering the town because i want to have a look around you know and i think people in general it's not just a thing about music i think people in general now feel like they got to put their two cents on anything that that they consume but i i, I really love the record I do too. Is, there, is there anything that you guys are like geeking out on at the moment that that michael is like maybe like sabar have you guys ever studied sabar or like any sort of world music that I, that I don't know about you know like I don't know much about Turkish percussion now I'm gonna have to go check it out I think I think uh, the closest thing to that was maybe a couple years ago when Mike really started becoming a fan of Salif Keita oh great and I think Sput and I really kind of that music spoke to us and those rhythms well, and then our friend Weedy Brahma was an amazing yeah, yeah. I was, I was yes. gonna say I was I was introduced to the Afrobeat scene an African music scene by a friend of of the bands who who Mike actually used to live with a roommate. Her name is Dominica, and uh, they had a, she had a band called the Underground. Afrobeat. They still do Underground yeah, System Afrobeat. Underground System Afrobeat, and um, so she used to like just show me all this music, you know, because I saw them play first. And I was like, man, what kind of that's that shit is tribal. Like, mm. what kind of what is that, you know? And um, she's like, you know, she, she, you know, she's a goofy individual. Very and me, well. Me and Dominica gr- were in college together, and we were in uh, West African music and dance. Uh, this ensemble and this amazing, legendary percussionist, and, ch- and he's a chief of Ghana, Gideon Alawarie, mm-hmm. who's actually an extended family member of Weedy, our friend Weedy. But Gideon is is one of the greatest. Uh, drummers and for yeah. Ghanaian music like Away and Ashanti and so Dominica was the lead dancer in the dance troupe and I was one of the lead drummers and so we really had that connection and so when I, I, I we kind of didn't see each other for years and then I saw her pop up and she's like the front person of this Afrobeat band and she's singing and she's like singing phrases that we used to sing in, in Gideon's ensemble and she's playing her flute. And so just, and she's using the dance that she learned. So she's, re- I mean, it was just so inspiring for me. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what Sput's really so, talking about. Yeah. I mean, so like, yeah, we, we all kind of geeked out on that. I mean, that was the thing, but, and, and you know, the, the cool thing about Af- like that lineage, it stretches. It's not just Afrobeat. It's like all kind of things that that come from it, and um, so that just that whole region itself is a is a cool thing that that we've been geeking out on for the last you know five or five or six years. Hmm. Let's do a last piece of music before we uh, maybe get into some rapid fires. Do we go want to go for Shaggy Otis or do we want to do a, Hi, a ghost? Yeah. Should oh, we do a Shaggy yeah. track? Shaggy Otis. You got Sparkle, Sparkle City. Sparkle City. Because yeah, me and Split, love, man, yeah. we geek out about this bass, these bass lines. Yeah. <laughs> 
Shiggy Otis, Nate and Spuds, final choice. Yeah, we're going to get into a couple of little rap- rapid-fire questions, if that's all right with you, gents. It's been a while. We haven't done this in a while. Let's do it. I'll let you start, Nick. Okay. Am I going, am I going for Nate? You're going yeah, for you go for Nate. I go for right. Spuds. So we're gonna the do only rule is just as fast as you can. Okay. Nate, if you weren't a musician, what would you be doing right now? Cooking food. Strong? Uh, oh, I'm not going to go there. Favorite decade? 70s. The last album you gifted or recommended to someone? Uh, Aphex Twin, Richard D. James. Strong. Uh, if you had a billboard that could be seen by a million people, what would you put on it? Peace. What should we be paying more attention to? People's emotions and mental health. Ultimate style icon? Prince. What's a fashion trend that you just don't get, Nate? Popping the collar. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, sorry. I know sun, that's a Brit, I know it's a Brit sun, thing. Sun, sun, man, not sun. It's uh, awful. You're quite right. What gives you anxiety? Uh, controversy. Uh, co- well, yeah, controversy. Who would you choose to play you in a movie of your life, Nate? Jim Brewer. <laughs> wow, <laughs> going for it. Uh, weirdest job you ever had. <laughs> Playing for a pop star. Okay. Um, who would you trade places with for a day? Oh shit! Uh, Could be a musician. Uh, shoot. Um, can it be? Uh, wow. Actually, Donald Trump. Because explain. <laughs> I just want to show him how to come on, man. Like, let, 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 let me take your position of power and do it way better. Mm. Um, you threw me there. Now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that threw everybody. Yeah, man. Yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, favorite movie quote. <laughs> oh, man. Favorite movie quote. Oh, shit. There's so many. I got so many. Uh, my favorite movie quote ever is, is, is Harlem Knights. Uh, what's the guy's name? What's his name? Here we uh, go. Here we go. The, the, the cop. The cop is upset at Richard Pryor oh, and, and Eddie. And I'm living in a. And uh, he, he he goes down to their he goes down to their um, their office and he raids their their club. They're doing they're doing good in the in the twenties. And he goes, "You guys are riding around with your fancy cars, and dressing in your fancy suits." And big houses, and I'm living in a fucking hovel. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite quote great, ever. Man. Great, that's good. Uh, favorite '90s jam. Ooh, Ooh uh, what's the uh, New Jack Swing? Uh, yeah, Bobby, Bobby Brown. Uh, po- uh, poison, poison. Yeah. Strong. Favorite insult. Oh man. Favorite insult to give somebody, or in general, or not you, not to receive. You don't receive an insult, so to either give or hear somebody else say, "Oh, calmer than you are." Yeah, <laughs> Cal- that that's it. Calmer than you are. 
We're, we say that to each other all fantastic. the time. Fantastic. Okay, my final one. Um, which musician would you like to collaborate with next? Herbie Hancock. Straight away. Done. Alex, uh, final one from you. Final one. <laughs> oh, wow, final. Uh, it's coming. Oh, this is... Um, what keeps you awake? <laughs> what keeps me awake? Yeah. Woke or awake? Awake. Uh, I mean, obvious, obviously music, I think. I, I, music keeps me doing a whole lot of things. So... Thank you for surviving the rapid fire. The spot. That was a rapid, rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to, well, it's been a pleasure to have you. You're welcome anytime you're in town. Thank you so much. If people are listening that want to check you out, you, you said earlier you're going to Copenhagen shortly. Uh, anywhere else people can check you out? Stuttgart. And then yeah. uh, we'll be back in the fall doing tons. Of, we're a whole month of touring. We're cool. doing Slovakia, Netherlands, Germany. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And the so, roster's going to be dumb. And we have <laughs> a website where you can check out all those tour dates, ghost-note-official.com. Cool. We're going to play some of your music before we, uh, before we go. You've been listening to The Thread presented by Ronnie Scott and Hennessy. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Spot. Am I forgetting anything? No, you've covered it all. Let's do pacemaker. Good stuff. All right. <laughs>